Hey, it's Aldwin. And I'm Jason. This is the Ready Play Tennis Podcast. New balls, please. We put our shit together so that we can entertain you. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Come back to life, Dick Edward. <laughs> you know where I'm going with this, right? I think I feel like it's another ass comment, but Jason Jason just called you on your bluff and you, you came back and you called us an albatross? I don't know what that is. Do you know what this is? It's called entertainment in all caps. Time. Ready? Play. Welcome to the Ready Play Tennis Podcast. Jason here. Hi, my name is Peng Shui. <laughs> I'm like the Olympic Games. I can say whatever I wish. Oh, hey Peng, how are you enjoying the Olympics so far? I'm like the Olympic Games. And <laughs> <laughs> <Okay. laughs> see. End scene. That was Aldwin. <laughs> not at not at all making light of the scriptedness of Peng Shui. Oh, uh, I mean, definitely making a little light of the scriptedness of Peng Shui, but it is a very serious situation. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I guess we're diving right in. Mm-hmm. We're gonna dive right in because. You know, the Australian Open was two weeks of tennis, even though there was Pung-related activity and, you know, headlines going on there. But she has reemerged, um, especially with the Olympic Games just starting, and she's a headline once again. Yeah, so tell me a little bit about this interview. I, you know, I shared with you this article, and then I didn't sort of digest it in detail. But I, I heard also that there was a meeting with... Thomas Bach, the IOC president uh, mm-hmm. during the Olympics, and it was sort of a private meeting. He had said um, that she was doing well, um, and I think they some reporters had asked him if he had asked about the, the allegations and the post again, and, you know, again, they sort of deflected, said that, that it's not their place to be talking about those, those things with her, which... Mm-hmm. You know, it's just another instance of them kowtowing to the Chinese and the hosts of the Olympics that are going on right now. Yeah. I mean, in addition to that, um, a new article has been released by L'Equipe, which is a French publication. And, um, you know, very similar to the interview that came out when the allegations of sexual assault first surfaced a couple months ago, um, this interview with the L'Equipe reporter was very controlled. The questions um, that were going to be asked to Pung had to be submitted beforehand, had to be reviewed. And uh, the reporter said that when he interviewed her, she seemed very kind of chill and easygoing when all the questions uh, had to do with tennis and her career. But the moment that it changed to obviously the sexual allegations that she brought forth. She became a little bit more scripted, a little bit more robotic, like my um, (laughs) impersonation of her at the beginning of the show. And um, yeah, just so many, so not a lot of opportunity to follow up with other questions that would bring more clarification and enlightenment to her situation. Because as we all know, the WTA um, and a lot of people in the tennis world are saying that, you know, given China's um, history of control and sanitizing her kind of public record from um, public knowledge, is she really free to say everything that she wants? I don't think so. No, no. The answer is clearly no. (laughs) Um, She answered the question about the allegations saying that it was an enormous misunderstanding. But to your point, um, there there seemed to be a level of control and there was a Chinese official uh, in attendance, I think, during the interview. So clearly she is being scripted in a certain way, is not allowed to talk about certain things. And this is the M.O. of the Chinese government in many instances, whether it's athletes or anybody who talks or speaks out against officials or the state. Yeah. You know, a couple things. Um, 
I was watching a CNN report on this latest interview, and the I forget which um, which guy at the desk was doing the story, but he reiterated her words that she posted on that social media account. I think it's called Weibo, the Chinese social media account. And you know, I'm paraphrasing here, but she depicted in detail like the allegations of sexual assault saying, you know, why did you have to, and this is her talking about the high ranking Chinese official whose name escapes me at the moment. Mm -hmm. But she said, you know, um, why did you have to invite me back to the party and force yourself upon me? You know, I said, no, I didn't want to have sex with you. And then for her in these, you know, once she, when she retracted those statements for her to say that it was a misunderstanding, like the question to myself is like, girl, how could you be misunderstood about the words, those particular words? Like they were very clear. Yeah. Yeah. She's certainly um, been told what to say and how to say it and how to respond to these things. And you don't post something that's 1600 words long with so much detail and, and it not, sort of have merit to it so yeah it's just hard to know where things go from here or if there's any (laughs) real you know recourse or anything proactive that anybody can do for Pung Uh, Mm -hmm. our impersonation of her is not going to help for sure (laughs) Um, to their credit again the WTA is standing firm uh, in in wanting to speak more directly to her so the CEO, Steve Simon, put out a statement saying it's always good to see Peng Shui, whether in an interview or attending the Olympic Games. Mm-hmm. However, her recent in-person interview does not alleviate any of our concerns about her initial post from November the 2nd. So that was three months ago. Mm-hmm. To reiterate our view, Peng took a bold step in publicly coming forth with the accusation that she was sexually assaulted by a senior Chinese government leader. I love how they just use one sentence to put it all out there again, <laughs> in case, yeah. you know, anybody forgot what we're talking about here. As we would do with any of our players globally, we have called for a formal investigation into the allegations by the appropriate authorities and an opportunity for the WTA to meet with Peng privately to discuss her situation. We continue to hold firm on our position and our thoughts remain with Peng Shui. Mm-hmm. Well, what really has to be done is the IOC has to commit to uh, an investigation of their own instead of, you know, trying to ride the fence and say, you know what, it's not our job to kind of insert ourselves into the affairs of a, the political affairs of a country. But, you know, there's a lot more invested, obviously, here other than, you know, just bad rep. It's like there's a lot of economic ties that the IOC has with Beijing. I mean, what country really nowadays can host the Olympic Games and not be in a deficit, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of, you know, underlying reasons why the IOC is playing so nice, nice with China. China right now and uh, unfortunately Miss Peng Shui's collateral damage yeah I mean it's hard like I said to see any recourse or repercussions all of our economies the global economy here in Canada the US we're all tied to China in some way shape or form we've mm-hmm. seen what happens to certain NBA teams when people try to speak out those games end up getting shut down yeah. In China, they have a, a huge, obviously, contribution to the global economy. So it's very tough for anyone to want to speak out. Movie stars who speak out, they get told to apologize and they come on camera to do so. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's really difficult to know where the situation goes other than where it looks like it's going with Peng being unable to travel and saying that she's going to retire from tennis. Yeah, I mean, the only thing that I'm really concerned about is uh, just getting my AliExpress bath mats in time. Like, I know that, you know, me making an impersonation of Peng Shui isn't, you know, the most politically correct. But please, I only spent like 50 cents on those AliExpress bath mats from China. So send them to me. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, we all buy things from China. It's it is what it is, and it, it like I said, very difficult to know what can be done to support her. I am super proud of the WTA for continuing to sort of double down on their statements, and 
I don't know. I just, it's very unnerving. If anyone wants to sort of hear an ongoing dialogue about this and hear from some experts, I would refer you to uh, Patrick McEnroe's podcast. Mm. Uh, He did a whole series of interviews pretty much daily um, over the holidays, talking Mm. to different reporters uh, who, who from China on the issue and, sort of how the Chinese government handles things. So definitely worth checking out. And he has pledged to sort of keep on top of it. And we can do what we can to sort of continue to follow the story, but we don't have all of the connections that someone like Patrick does. No. And, you know, unfortunately, uh, Peng recently has announced her retirement. So another sad um, result to this entire kind of um, situation for her. As everyone knows, Pung is my spirit animal. I played two hands on both sides because of her. And I spent a lot of this past weekend just watching clips of her in all her glory. 2017, when she first came up the ranks, she beat Sharapova in her home country, home tournament of Beijing in 2009. So, yeah, I mean, like, if there was any possibility of her making a comeback, like, mind you, she hasn't played on the WTA since February 2020. But this kind of sanitizing of her public profile and just the control that she's under from the Chinese government just has made it impossible for her to ever play on the WTA tour again. So she kind of figured to herself, let me just hang up the towel here and uh, enjoy my Grand Slam trophies, my doubles Grand Slam trophies. I mean, yeah, she will. She won't have a chance to leave the country. Yeah, I know. Well, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So that's how, that's how bad this situation is. So that's why the statement from the WTA about wanting to speak to her and, you know, privately, um, all of that is is great. And I appreciate them continuing to do that. I just don't know the likelihood of that happening. Yeah, I mean, Renee Stubbs echoed the same sentiments on CNN. She was just like, let's figure out a way to get her out of China, you know, have her do an interview and see what she says without the duress of the Chinese government. Yeah, it'll be it would be very different and yeah. you know, she would probably be standing by her previous statement again around the sexual assault allegations. Mhm. Well, um I have needed a hug all weekend. <laughs> we have, you know, skipped all of the things that we usually do at our intro. People don't want to hear about you know, us wanting them to visit patreon.com forward slash ready play tennis to support the show. (laughs) They don't want to hear about going to the Shopify merch store for ready play tennis podcast to buy some merch. (laughs) They don't want to hear about us wanting them to give us a five star review or writing a positive review of the show because those things would really help us out. Yeah, they want to hear our take on the gentle giant. I mean, let's let's rephrase they want to hear your take on the gentle giant um i will say just to intro this part of our show that when i was on ig kind of perusing through what the news of the day was i forget which account it was that broke the news about delpo's first of all i read that it was I read Delpo announces retirement after the Argentina Open. And then I did a little bit more research. And based on what he said at his um, news conference, at his press conference, that it's likely that he's going to retire. So, I mean, did you not get that vibe when you watched his, when you watched the press conference? So I had to go and make sure I watched it because I was following the IG and seeing all of the posts and and the swirling and, you know, people use different language to describe what happened. Some will infer that he's retiring. Some refer that he hints at retiring. So I, I lean more towards the, he hinted at retiring. Um, and, and when that happens is unknown, but it's going to be very soon. So Ah, so you're hopeful that he has more than just this home tournament to play. Well, he's he said that he this could be his last tournament. Mm. He is he has a wild card in the Rio Open as well. Mm. But I don't I, let me let me step back for a second. <laughs> Delpo 
in the last several years before his injury in Shanghai, I always felt he was a delicate flower, even though he <laughs> had monster serve, monster forehand. He mm. has, anyone who's followed his career know that he's um, dealt with a myriad of injuries, a myriad of uh, unfortunate circumstances with his body uh, it started early in his career followed through with his wrist where he was off off and on for two and a half years then the knee I remember watching that match it, it looked like a nothing thing mm-hmm. he sort of slipped um, on onto his knee and broke his kneecap and I just have always felt a bit of fragility he was sort of one of the th- first super tall players to come on the tour being six five or six six and now there's like dozens of players at that height but he always seemed a bit fragile so when I think about him coming back in Argentina and coming back to play on clay Mm. like I'm nervous I'm nervous she's nervous yeah I I wanted to share with everyone um what your immediate reaction was when I texted you <laughs> because I didn't know whether you had seen it or not. Like, I know that you don't spend a ton of time on IG, but I figured that, you know, you would have kind of popped in to see what was going on. Um, I can't find the message that I just sent you, but I do have your response. <laughs> I think it's just so funny because it reminds me of a girl that's being broken up with. Because in this one kind of like seven to eight sentence answer, you can just see your emotions evolve from like confusion to anger to just disbelief. <laughs> so <laughs> you're going to give a dramatic read. I'm going to give you a dramatic read um, <laughs> as best as I can. Better than Peng Shui. <laughs> yes. Okay, so Jason says, I don't know what to think. How to feel. No, 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 okay. Let me go back. <laughs> I don't know what to think, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> How to feel, dot, dot, dot. He obviously doesn't feel he can make a significant go long term after trying to make his return, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> it just seems sudden based on all we were, we were seeing from him. Next week, dot, 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 he's done, period. (laughs) I just was like, uh, and then my response to you immediately was, are you going to be okay? (laughs) Because I just was very, um, I mean, perplexed by your answer. I could, uh, listen, being, you know, your tennis best friend, I could see kind of the range of emotions that you're going through. I could only imagine that someone that you have looked up to, admired, loved, he's your number one. We Everyone knows this. And then finally to hear news that of his impending retirement could not obviously have been easy for you to take. I had Jonathan Scott's <laughs> messages to me pre his return in 2016 sort of ringing in my head like he's he's done you have to let him go and then you know he's making sort of his third comeback and you've seen him practicing you've seen him rehabbing his knee so you've seen that for months and months and months and then you start seeing him on his ig hitting some balls and then he announces that he's accepted wild cards into these tournaments and you start Mm -hmm. to build up your excitement and enthusiasm and then doth he not (laughs) suddenly deflate the balloons of of excitement and bring us to reality with that press conference yeah um sorry i forgot a crucial part of the text so you texted (laughs) me on saturday at 8 30 in the evening and then after I texted you back, are you going to be okay? You texted again the following day at 11. So clearly you had time to simmer, to stew, to think, to cry, to pick yourself up from the puddle of tears. <laughs> I, I was just hanging out with friends. That's what happened. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Th- this was the narrative that I created in my head. And like someone, I, di- I even did a reel. I'm like, someone come to his condo and pick him up from off the floor because he is just he's just completely out of sorts (laughs) anyway so the next day you you texted at 11 o'clock i mean it's fine (laughs) i mean it's fine i kind of wish there wasn't such a build-up it's a bit of a squid game glass floor at the moment (laughs) 
Okay, so I'm all for a metaphor and analogy. <laughs> um, I spent too much time trying to figure out what you meant by this metaphor. I literally probably spent 45 minutes being like, Squid Game, Gas Glass Floor. Okay, everyone that watched that Netflix series knows which episode we're talking about. I mean, you take a step. Could it be the glass that breaks? Could it not? Okay, and as I'm explaining it to you, I understand what you're trying to say. Like, is this going to be the tournament that he's going to retire at? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Exactly. <laughs> Glad you sleuthed that up. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It was like this, you know, it could happen at any moment. And mm. he he could slip on the clay at any moment. Yeah. And then it's lights out for her. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. There there were people I saw another ATP tour post on Instagram showing him warming up. At the Argentina Open and people were commenting, oh, it doesn't look like he can move very well. So everybody's going to be watching <laughs> his movement to see how he's, you know, just to see how he's moving on the court. He was warming up with a lefty. So I couldn't really tell who it was. But yeah, it's just tough. It's a tough message to experience and have delivered by him when all of us were hopeful that um, he could make sort of one one final run and that it was going to be a bit more sustained. Yeah, I mean, in the reel that I posted on IG, I sincerely thought that, um, you know, it would take a bit of time, just like it did for Andy Murray last year to kind of find his game again. But within a couple of matches, within a couple of tournaments, Andy was kind of, you know, beating top players. Um, it was more in the question was more, could he last in a fortnight? Like, you know, putting a couple of matches back to back, which I think is what would have been the case with uh, Juan Martin. Do they call him like JMDP? No, that's not a thing. I don't think so. Uh, uh, okay. Fine, forget it. They don't use um, DP for him. <laughs> you want to use DP for him, though. <laughs> um, I thought that he would kind of contend. He would be in the Vavrinka and Murray group of, like, these players that have won a couple of slams in between them and make things interesting um, at the upcoming, like, Masters and, and slams, but I guess just not in the cards for him. Yeah, I mean, if you think about his career, he has many highlights. He's one of a few players to have beaten number one players 10 times. Like I don't think a lot of players can have, have a stat like that, but he is 33 years old. And if you think about and, and sort of calculate the times that he's been off due to injury, it's a mm. prop approximately six years <laughs> with between, you know, him winning his U.S. Open and now being 33. there's There was six years where he didn't get to play really at all and was dealing with injuries. Partic the wrist injury was another one where he kept trying different surgeries and had to go back and go back and didn't think he would make his return and, you know, miraculously was able to, to come back from that. And um, then to have this freak, you know, drop to the mm. court sort of smash his knee in Shanghai and not really come back except for one or two events in 2019. It's just so sad because he could have been a huge competitor and was a huge competitor against those big three, but injuries got to him. Yeah, he, I mean, maybe you can provide more clarity on what I'm about to say. But I mean, for the time that he did play, I mean, he did bag like a master's title winning Indian Wells. Did he win more than, did he win more than one? That was his only master's title. Okay. He made a few okay. finals, but yeah. Indian Wells, uh, silver medal in Rio. Bronze in, Bro in, in London. Right. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, he, he has accolades that he can take with him, uh, into retirement but yeah it's almost like what could he have done if he was healthy mm -hmm. you know what could what more could he, he have a, he have accomplished but I mean it's funny I, I kind of had a, a thought to myself when I was watching some clips about you know other 
news outlets covering his retirement and he was saying you know at 33 my body just can't do it anymore I'm like girl at 30 <laughs> at 33 <laughs> i was 33 seven years ago <laughs> i i if, if you can't do it at 33 what can i not do at 40 like it's crazy yeah i in our notes i put the whole statement maybe it's worth people hearing so that they can digest and maybe deduce for themselves what they think it means uh, Mm. in terms of whether he will retire soon or we'll see what happens but he said before i start this conference i like i would like to send a message i have spent a lot of time thinking and imagining about this day and i think this is one of the most difficult messages i will ever deliver I know that people are expecting me to return to tennis, me, <laughs> but <laughs> this may be more of a fell for farewell than a return. I have strength to go forward, but my knee is becoming a nightmare. Mm. I have been trying alternative treatments for a number of years with different doctors and attempts to fix it. I feel like, wasn't there a story of several months ago where he was referred to Roger Federer's doctor yes. or something. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I still have not found a solution. This was the same story with his wrist. He couldn't figure out what was going on with his wrist. He was still having pain. But I never imagined retiring from tennis without having a chance to say goodbye. And I can't imagine a better tournament than Buenos Aires to do it. <laughs> so, wow. Therein you think th- this is going to be it. But he still has a wild card in Rio. Um, then he goes on to say, after these, after these weeks, we will see what happens with my future, but I am clear that I want to live like a person of 33 years and try to not have pain. It's a difficult decision, but I wanted to make it clear. (laughs) I don't know that it's that clear. (laughs) (laughs) Clear as clay. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, clear that. You're right that he's probably going to call it quit soon. I guess it will just all depends on how his body feels after Argentina. But, you know, just like he said in that statement, I mean, if he can, um, I, 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 who could not think of a better place for him to retire than his home country? Yeah. Yeah, we'll have to see. I think he hasn't, apparently he hasn't played that tournament in like 15 years. Mm. So it does seem odd that a tournament that he doesn't necessarily have any success or a record at he would retire at but it's also his home country so yeah okay well question for you Mm -hmm. so you know if we're going to do if this show is going to be mostly dedicated to you know the highlights of Delpo's career what were your favorites what were your moments that really just just secured Delpo as your number (laughs) one OG ATP player of all time. I think, God, there's so many moments that I can recall in so many matches where I was <laughs> wanting, wanting him to win and he wasn't able to come through and wanting him to win and he did. But one of my favorite stories, uh, I think, that I'll share is the Rio Olympics 2016. So obviously he <laughs> was, again, sort of making his return. He wasn't high in the rankings yet uh, at that time but he drew world number one Novak Djokovic in the first round (laughs) I was obviously eyeing that match at the end of it I believe he sent Novak out in (laughs) tears I believe it was a straight set victory and then um, he took on a couple of lower rank players and then in the fourth round took on RBA mm. always a taskmaster always a tough cus- cookie mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, beat him but it was the semi-final where where I had my moment so in my <laughs> condo High Park watching it I th- believe it was on CBC because they were covering the Olympics and they were airing the match but the power goes out mm. So I have <laughs> no television to watch it. I'm like, oh shit, I need to figure out where I can watch this. So of course, I get on my iPhone, <laughs> I put on the CBC app, and I pull put on the match. Um, I may have actually had our our cable 
hooked up to my phone so I could watch it through my phone. However, because the power was out, I doth not have Wi-Fi. I am Oof. using I am using data to watch Ooh, this girl. match. So start watching the match. I think it was actually in the second set when the power went out and I started using the data. <laughs> so uh, continue to watch the match. It's a hard fought battle. Obviously, it's Rafa. And uh, continuing to get text messages from Rogers saying, you are $35 <laughs> over. You are $75 over. You are $110 over. And I just <laughs> continue to watch this match. I did not care. That's how dedicated I was to watching wow. Topo. I was paying over $100 in data charges to watch the video because video was more expensive, I think, at the time. And data play you know, is not as good. Girl, you should have just walked your ass over to Howard Park to the clubhouse because <laughs> you could have watched there for free. <laughs> <laughs> but I would have missed some points and that would have, I would not have liked that. The other part of the story is um, Wade called the company at the time. I won't name them because... I don't want them to call me asking for their money back. But he <laughs> called and said that, you know, we're doing work and we're, we're a longstanding customer. And, you know, he had to do work and uh, we ended up getting my money back <laughs> <laughs> for the data charges. So Wade, oh, is, wow. Wade is better at that those kinds of things than me. So um, I would have just paid it. <laughs> Oh, my God. Well, we don't feel so sorry for you now that you just scammed that company out of. <laughs> well, no, we don't feel so bad because they probably make billions of dollars. They make, yeah, they're, they're a billion dollar company here in Canada. So they're fine. But he won the match. He won the match. Yeah. And it, so that was that was a, fo- a fond memory for me. Obviously, it would have been nice for him to win the gold medal. But Andy Murray decided to take it back to back, beating him in four <laughs> sets. And I think it was like a four hour match. In the final, uh, the finals at the Olympics, I think that year were still best three out of five sets. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the last Olympics or the the Olympics after that, they went to two out of three. But, two out of three. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't have as much to share. Only thing that I can actually kind of talk to is um, I've always been a fan of players with insanely amazing forehands. Um Maybe not the time to get into like the technique of the Del Popo forehand, but you know, de- if you looked up the definition of flat in the dictionary, <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what his forehand is. And you know, the ATP is in a really marvelous job about uh, stringing together some really good forehands that Del Popo has hit during his career uh, when he has gone, as they call it, God mode. Yeah, and it's just insane. Like positions that you have no business hitting forehand winners from, <laughs> he is just able to do it. And um, yeah, I mean, like, I, I guess another thing that we can discuss is how universally liked he is by everyone. I don't know. I mean, you have Rafa haters, you have Federer haters, you have actually, you don't really have a lot of Federer haters. Um, you definitely have Djokovic haters, but I don't know anyone that dislikes Delpo. No. And I think that was obviously part of his allure. Yeah, there was a post, I think, from James Blake where he reminisced about how Delpo waited in the locker room for him when he had his retirement match and just waited to congratulate him. So What? <laughs> James, you better get, get get your ass on a plane to Buenos Aires. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I so the other match that I remember very well because there were tears at the end of it was when he beat (laughs) Federer at Indian Wells in 2018. Uh, The reason why I was so hot and heavy in that match was because Federer was being a whiny biatch. (laughs) And um, if we go back to Facebook memories in in a few weeks when Indian Wells is taking place, this memory and a video will pop up of me welling up when he... Finally wins the match, <laughs> fending off three championship points that Federer had to take the title. Yeah, you know, I what I like particularly about that match was his kit. I love that Nike kit, that kind of color blocked on the diagonal. Um, was sort yeah. of, was that the orange burgundy situation, or mm, 
was the different yeah 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 it was like the orange yeah exactly mm. it was that it was that kit yeah yeah i mean there's other matches that i that are fresh in my memory i think the Djokovic semifinal of Wimbledon in 2013 mm. I kept on my PBR box for several months because I watched it a couple more times even though that was a match that he lost and, and then the Wimbledon semifinal in 2018 against Rafa yeah oh yeah what about the could have won but just eluded him yeah. what about the Federer I don't know what part of the tournament it was but it was the year-end championships in London uh, he played Federer I think he won in three sets or something like that. And like just forehand went off the hook. Yeah. Just killed it. Yeah. He, I mean, he had 10 wins, I think, against those guys. At a, at a one point, um, I was doing a little bit of research because I don't know everything about the guy. But he had three wins in a row against Rafael Nadal. Jeez. Yeah. Who can say, who can, I don't think anyone can say that they've had three consecutive wins. Maybe Novak. <laughs> yeah. Maybe so yeah so 2009 was his only u.s open sort of grand slam victory mm-hmm. obviously it will be his only grand slam <laughs> <laughs> unless something miraculous occurs over the next couple of weeks but it was in the semifinal of the u.s open that that was his third straight win against nadal and then he defeated roger in the final mm-hmm. in five sets if we recall Roger um, was the defending champion, had won five times in a row. And Roger has not won the U.S. Open since. Oof. Sorry about it. (laughs) Sorry, not sorry. Yeah. So that's, (laughs) you know, those are big things. He had lost to Roger, I think, six consecutive times before beating him at that U.S. Open. So, I mean, what? Okay, I, I... Other than his forehand, what was it particularly about his game? Like, I can't imagine him to, I don't know him to be someone that, like, can finish points at the net. But was he just one of these, like, big clunkers that just had a massive weapon that no one could touch that he could kind of call upon at a whim? I think it was his serve and his forehand, obviously. He had a really solid backhand. He struggled with the backhand in his sort of return after wrist surgery because he couldn't quite figure it out. So he was doing a lot of slices, but he built that back up and had a really solid um, backhand game as well. And then he was fairly crafty at the net. Some of the points that I've seen posted on Instagram the last few days have shown his uh, net skills. Um, There was one point I think he played against Djokovic in Rome that they were using. Um, and Djokovic gave him a, a so they did like a high five because Djokovic was <laughs> impressed with his volley that he picked up off the off the court. So, yeah, I mean, it's definitely a huge loss to the sport, to the locker room, I guess. He hasn't been around for a couple of years, but we'll see what happens tomorrow in his match against Del Bonis, mm. his countryman. Y- you don't... Are you going to do the thing that you told me that you were going to do? What, what? <laughs> I forget what I told you I was going to do. You said that you're going to dedicate a song, the song um, Don't Cry For Me, Argentina. <laughs> the truth is I never left you to him. Which version? The Madonna version or the Sinead O'Connor version? Definitely not the Madonna version. Yeah. Um, Good choice. The, the Patti Lapone version, the original oh. Broadway musical. Oh, Wade would he... love me to sing some Patti LaPone. <laughs> um, don't cry for me, Jason Patterson, is what, he, is what he's saying. The truth is, he's leaving us. No, don't say that. <laughs> you know what? It will be a full circle moment when, whenever in the future, because it's going to happen, because we're going to manifest it, because we're believers like that, where you will meet Juan Martin Del Pocho as a result of this podcast, and you were you will literally be in a pool of tears. Mm-hmm. I don't know that you would be able to. You know what? I I mean, I've known you long enough to know that you can actually keep yourself composed. You're a very kind of even keeled, level headed person. But if I were to choose a scenario in which you would just completely lose it, whether it be like I can't imagine you shrieking and like just crying. I just can imagine you just melting into a pool of just 
sweat and tears when you see him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It would be similar to when you (laughs) heard from Jeannie that she hung out with Steffi Graf. Oh my God. Exactly. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Same. Well, we wish him good luck in the tournament. I hope he does not slip on the clay. (laughs) That is my hope. And that he has a good match and, you know, maybe pulls out a win. We'll see. It would be lovely if he played two or three matches in Argentina and that made him feel good about his return and he decided to get on a plane to Rio. Yeah. I mean, if Del Bonis has half a brain cell, he's going to like play at 60%. Yeah. Come on. I mean, like it's an, it's an, he's a national treasure. (laughs) He cannot, he cannot flame out in the first round. Yeah. He's ranked 700 and something <laughs> at the moment. 700, what is it? 757. I mean, when you're at 700, who cares what number you're at? Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, if he wins a couple matches, he could bounce up to like 300 very quickly. Se- says the eternal optimist. <laughs> Good luck, Delpo. Beat that Del Boner. <laughs> This So this is like the retirement episode because we realized that we did not even in our Australian Open recap talk about Sam Stoyser. Oh, all the lesbians are just crying lesbian tears. <laughs> do lesbians we, cry? <laughs> I think they do. I think they do cry a lot, actually. I think they'll cry. <laughs> they, they're, they support one another. Yeah. <laughs> I We should... There's a caveat to this because she's only retiring, I believe, from singles, right? Oh, I thought she was retiring from the whole whole damn thing. No, I think when I look at her Wikipedia page, it says that she's retired from singles. Well, I mean, okay, not to kind of um, <laughs> not to kind of like take away the magic from this segment, but I thought I thought it was a complete retirement from singles and doubles. I mean, if she retires from singles, like. No offense, but no one was really watching you for your singles play anymore, <laughs> Sam. <laughs> I looked at her singles record. She won 607 matches. That's crazy. Girl, Sam Stozer is fierce. And, you know, back in the heyday, she was just a player to contend with. That forehand is a forehand that I will never have, but it's like my dream fantasy forehand. So much topspin. Her serve, that topspin kick serve out wide is just, it bounces so high. It reaches the rafters. It reaches the pat rafters. (laughs) And um, I just knew you were going to do something. (laughs) Stupid. (laughs) Um, And you know what? Listen, I will say from a sentimental perspective, Sam was a girl that I could always um, relate to because you could see that she she wasn't a player that had the strongest mental fortitude. She, you could, you know, she has kind of tossed a lot of matches and cracked under pressure, but, you know, her resilience to come back and just prove herself and to win tournaments and to finally win that Grand Slam title against Serena Williams is a testament to how much effort and work that she put into the mental aspect of the game you know what i mean mm-hmm. like the physical aspect anyone can do truly i mean like if you you had the time and you had the kind of dedication anyone could get themselves into the kind of shape that sam or any any elite athlete could get into but it's that head part that really separates your slam winners from your non-slam winners and she was a person that had all of the gifts um but just couldn't put it together over 14 days couldn't put it together for a tournament but you know she she really kind of plugged away at that and her winning that US Open championship is just an incredible and amazing feat not to mention all of the other doubles championships that she's won over her career mm-hmm. i do remember watching that US Open final mm. i think i think everybody who watched that match was shocked to see her win and how easily she won. Yeah. It was like two and three or three and two, something like that. Yeah. I mean, anytime you go up against the goat, you're just like, this is going to be the, you know, a ride of a lifetime. Like she's not going to, um, just roll over and play dead. But Sam was in control from the beginning of 
that match. And I mean, you know, if you're going to do an analysis of kind of all of the drama, I mean, Serena having that drama in that final is not, was it unheard of? So that obviously added fuel to the fire, but you know, I always, I can, I always gauge the success of a, of a tennis player's career truly and honestly by whether they were able to come away with a slam, except for Ostapenko. She's always dead to me and I hate her. Um, no one ever, on no one likes next it. Week. <laughs> Did she slide into our DM? She's just like, oh my God, guys, I'll do your, I'll do she your show. Will. I cannot wait for that. <laughs> Play her all these clips. <laughs> you could do an entire like 30 minute series of like me just dragging her to filth. <laughs> you and Miles. <laughs> Anyway, this is not about <laughs> Yelena, but, um, you know, our good friend Nancy, friend and player on the TLGTA, um, who's volunteered at the Rogers Cup, um, now the National Bank Open, for years and years and years and drove these players to and from the site, on many occasions over the years have, has driven Sam, and she has said that Sam is just the nicest, kindest, most personable person. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's... It's sad to see someone who had so much success on the singles tour kind of fade away like that, mm-hmm. you know? But, I mean, there is the end. There is, you know, every every chapter has its end. Every book has its end. Very similar to what has happened <laughs> to Venus, I guess. <laughs> you Did you not send me a text message with her WTA profile that said, girl, what's she going to do now? <laughs> I it, so we're we'll digress uh, just for a brief moment. <laughs> I was just it was just a general wonderment between podcast co-hosts about when you pull the trigger on the retirement. So we're talking a lot about that today. Delpo mm. sees the writing on the wall with his knee injury. Peng Shui has China to deal with (laughs) Sam sort of, I think realized that her results are not where they're going to be. And it feels like she can continue to make that money playing doubles and mixed doubles. And Venus, when I, when I saw her current ranking, which I think is now at 400 or something like that. And Serena's two forty something. Mm-hmm. I just went back. I wanted to go back and see sort of how she's done over the last couple of years. And she hasn't really been successful since like mid 2018. Like she mm-hmm. had that incredible year in 2017, made the finals in Australia. Didn't she Wimbledon. make another? She, yeah. Lost to Mugu in the final of Wimbledon. And then, yeah, it's five, sort of four rough, rough years. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think the question of retirement is a personal decision, obviously. I mean, if it were me, if it were me, as long as I felt like I enjoyed playing the game, like going out there and feeling motivated to, you know, compete and be competitive and be part of the best, I would want to continue to play. But I mean, from a fan perspective, especially because venus and sam to be honest with you let's include sam in this conversation as well they have legions of fans particularly gay fans like you know Mm -hmm. um sam being an an out and proud lesbian with her family her daughter coming to her tournaments like watching her ig stories of her daughter and her development and how cute she is um she's got a lot of people out there that are rooting for her so you know even though it is a personal decision there's a lot of people out there that want her to do well and it's hard to see someone that at one point in their career, you know, cl- climb the Mount Everest of their sport, beating the GOAT, greatest of all time, and then just having so many struggles over the past couple of years, losing to players that they have no business losing to. But, you know, again, it is what it is. It's just like something that you just can't control. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. Age gets to all of us <laughs> death and taxes that's it yeah age death and taxes yikes well congrats to sam i think for serena fans i mm. wonder if there's sort of the uh, core serena fans who sort of go back to her grand slam final losses and sort of pick apart each each one of those and, <laughs> yeah. and if, if this is one of them it's like that 
girl could have got to 24 if she only beat Sam Stozer at the U.S. Open or if she didn't get annihilated by Halepe in 2019 at Wimbledon. Yeah, I mean, to draw, I mean, it is the Winter Olympics currently. So to draw a Winter Olympics analogy, Michelle Kwan is the most decorated figure skater in American history, in world history. But a gold gold medal was just never in her cards, even though she had every opportunity, three Olympics to win the gold medal. Maybe it's in Serena's cards to not tie Margaret Court at 24. You know, that'll be a tough pill to swallow, especially when you kind of look back at our episodes from last year saying, with me saying, you know, it's destiny. The stars will align for Serena (laughs) and she's going to win her 24th. Like, it is becoming increasingly improbable that she's going to win that 24th. I mean, you watch her IG stories and she's just living her life, enjoying her time with her daughter and tennis seems to be the farthest thing from her mind. And maybe it's just kind of a change in attitude, perspective. And, you know, clearly tennis is not at the top of her priority list. Yeah. Yeah. She seems content and happy. And we are we all want her to win 23. Or, sorry, 24. <laughs> she's won 23. <laughs> but, yeah, maybe she's content. And we'll hear from her soon enough and I'm sure we'll hear from Venus soon enough but if we ever get Venus on the show we will never ask and she hasn't retired yet we will never ask her about it because she will shut that down right quick (laughs) I mean maybe she'll come on the show post retirement like we've been trying to get into Joanna Conta's DMs hard like girl come on her show you know what I mean (laughs) now that you're retired you got time yeah we didn't we never even talked about her either yeah I mean (laughs) Wimbledon semifinal Yay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe somebody who had um, a player that definitely had more potential than the results enabled her to achieve. But she seemed also to be making a bit of a run last year. And yeah. her retirement seemed a bit sudden to me. Because she's only, what, 30? Yeah, yeah. I mean, this listen, this pandemic has thrown a lot of people for a whirl. And just not being on the tour and having the opportunity to get into a groove has made it difficult for a lot of people. And they've just said to themselves, you know what? I like my, I like that check. I like those trophies on my mantle. I like my, you know, vacation residences in all those parts of the world. Let me enjoy that. (laughs) (laughs) So congratulations, Sam. Congratulations, Sam. My, my other question before we move on, did Nancy ever tell you if she hit on her? <laughs> she did not. Okay. Or vice she versa. Did... You know what? Nancy is a very respectful person. And even, I mean, Nancy has been in a long-term committed relationship for years and years and years. I mean, I don't know what the status is, whether it's open or whether, you know, she gets like a little hall pass or whatnot. I mean, all of us who are in a relationship aren't dead, okay? (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it so much. (laughs) Um, We were asked by somebody who listened to the entire episode last week why we did not talk about Nick Kyrgios and his doubles Grand Slam title with Kokonakis. Do you have an answer for that? We're not perfect, okay? We're not perfect. So, you know, as much as we, on a weekly, try to entertain you as much as possible, there's nine billion things to cover. And um, so sorry about it. Like, listen, yes, if you're like a um, long um, and dedicated listener to our podcast, Nick Kyrgios has been a consistent theme because of our interactions with him, because of, you know, because of a multitude of things and it would seem like a it, it is it was like okay, it was an oversight okay but there was just so much juice to cover on the men's and women's side that we just we had no time for her sorry about it nick but um you know you had your own podcast to kind of share your thoughts about your doubles win with uh koki koki roberts koki <laughs> and we should um we should also add obviously it was an all australian final Mm-hmm. With um, Max Purcell and Matt Ebden, and you mm-hmm. got a an LOL because you commented on one of Matt Ebden's posts, calling him. I did. You, I got you an did. LOL. Well, yeah, you called him Zaddy, and he replied, LOL. "LOL, girl, we know what you're trying to play." Listen, you all go to Matt Ebden's IG, and she is really trying to give you 
it all. Like the poses, the shirtless pics. He is looking very fine. And I just wanted to give him a little appreciante. Yeah. So you go, Matt Ebden. So there was... (laughs) (laughs) Stupid. It's so stupid. (laughs) I think um, one of the things that was impressive, I think, if you watch the doubles final, is how many fans stuck around Mm. after the women's final to watch the doubles final. Like, that stadium was pretty full. So... Yeah, I mean, we... You you have said this about Nick before, and though we rib him about playing video games in his basement and just, you know, some of the kind of whack shit that he says, he definitely draws crowds and he definitely is an entertainer. And so, you know, it was kind of a nice um, result for him to be able to come away at, with a validating doubles championship with his buddy there, Koki. Um, and have the Australian public, who he has felt so much support from, um, from his entire career, there to witness him hoisting a doubles trophy. So it's a lovely moment for um, Nick, and we're happy for him, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, others maybe weren't so happy for him, including his <laughs> opponents. So I think it's worth sharing that um, uh, Purcell, the, mm. you know, teamed with Matt Ebden, said a couple of things after the match that obviously got under <laughs> uh, Nick's knickers. Mm. Uh, he said, it was <laughs> it was great for ticket sales here, but I'm not so sure how it was taken overseas. If you're watching some of Nick and Thanasi's matches earlier in the week and you're overseas, maybe you get turned off um, tennis a little bit. Um, yeah. And then Curious called him a donut. Um, yeah he called becker a donut didn't he he called becker a donut last year yeah he did (laughs) um he said max purcell you're a donut regarding your comments after (laughs) the match you clearly have no idea about entertainment and sport (laughs) (laughs) if you haven't noticed there is a reason why people actually come to my matches it's because the level in my game are actually worth watching. <laughs> Next time you lose another slam final, you should just put your head down and try to figure out how to play the big points better. Oof. Racket drop. <laughs> well, you know, leave it to Nick to just let a girl know and just tell it tell it to her straight. Um the last I, listen, thing he, I the last ahead, thing, sorry to interrupt you, the last thing he said cuz he had to Drop the racket one more time. No need to <laughs> slate other Aussies, Aussies in the media because people would rather watch paint dry than your serve and volley game style. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it looks like they're not going to the pub anytime soon together. No, no beer, no, <laughs> no beers on Max Purcell for Nick Curios. No beers. Listen, I mean, if you're playing against Nick Curios and he has all of that buffoonery on you know, on display for the for the crowd. I can understand how that could get a bit irritating and annoying. But, oh the fuck well, um, you know, good for him. I'm really happy for Nick. I mean, with all that he's gone through with his mother being ill and, um, you know, just having to kind of answer for his remarks that he just is so quick to share with the world. You know, this doubles championship on his home soil is a nice, you know, thing to have in his repertoire of um, of accolades at the end of his career, mm-hmm. whenever that's going to be, to be honest. Probably this year. You think? I don't know. He's hinted at it. So keeping the theme of retirement going. Maybe he's going to become a game streamer or something, like earn. Well, he has put a lot of effort into his podcast with his friends there. So mm-hmm. maybe he's going to partly into like a Joe Rogan situation. Yeah. I mean, there's no amount of opportunities that will be available to him based on his personality. So. Yeah, entertainment sells, y'all. I, I okay, sorry, maybe a bit of a of a tangent, but do you like Koki's um, butterfly tattoos on his thigh? I'm neither here nor there. I think they're sexy. Do you okay? Yeah, he he is. Yeah, he's cute. You like he's that? Cute. I do. I like I like tattoos. I like a tattooed man. Yes. <laughs> Does Bublik have any tattoos? No, but um, it looks like he's starting to wear underwear. I mean, it looks like he's starting to win matches and titles. 
Yeah, I couldn't tell. Somebody on our Instagram asked yeah. if he was wearing underwear. And I'm yeah. like, he's wearing black shorts. He can't really tell if that pokeroo is poking out. I mean, the light gray is a dead giveaway. <laughs> <laughs> but getting back to the tennis, he played really well and sustained and focused and didn't see one underarm serve in that final. Yeah, I mean, he beat Zverev, number one seed. I mean, albeit it was only a 250 tournament, you had a lot of really good players in that field. And for him to come away with the title is a huge achievement and accomplishment. And maybe, you know, maybe it's going to be a turnaround uh, match for him. You know, like you you think about guys like him. Monfils obviously has the reputation for being an entertainer. And even though both of them have, well, Monfils, well, you know, Monfils was known as this guy that just was like a performer, but like didn't get serious about the sport until kind of midway through his career. Then he started to rack up the titles. Like maybe this is that match for Bublik to realize that he can contend with the big boys, um, come away with some titles. And, uh, you know, his goal is maybe not to make the highlight reel of TSN or any other, you know, ESPN and to like just kind of buckle down and win. Yeah, he seems to be doing that buckling down he's only 24 i thought he was a little bit older but first title first title first hopefully first of many he he has a lot of weapons if he avoids the underhand serve he can hit a lot of aces with that serve and just seemed to like flummox zverev a little bit and zverev was got upset at, at a couple of points where he thought he got bad calls but they didn't have a review system at this tournament so they couldn't review it and the (laughs) the lines calls stood so yeah yeah congrats also to ramos vinolas that went in cordoba came back in the second set and also came back in the third set to win that tournament and um joao 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 souza Mm -hmm. who won in pune in india so good for them. The yeah. three titleists of the tour this week. Yeah, and the women are returning this week in St. Petersburg. St. Petersburg, yes. Yeah. Border Love with that Ukraine court. or no? Uh, oh, not quite sure. Hot mess over there. <laughs> okay. Uh, and the men obviously are in Argentina and I believe mm. Hamburg? In Rotterdam. Rotterdam, sorry. Rotterdam, Jeez. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Rotterdam has a really cute field. Mm-hmm. Karatsev, Tsitsipas, you know, there's a bunch of cuties there, so... Felix. Felix. Yeah. Sorry, good. one last thing. Zverev's kit, I know we saw it at the Australian Open. What, you or whoever else out there, if Jason doesn't know, what is the name of that popsicle? It's a oh. brand of a popsicle that yeah. reminds me of the colors. Is it the rocket? Is it called a rocket? That sort of pink, white, and blue? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the rocket. Yeah. Like, he looks like a rocket that you want to... Do you want to lick it? Sorry. <laughs> I'm good. Sorry. <laughs> You're good. <laughs> he's, he's not my gem. Um, we wanted to end by talking about GLTA, yeah? Oh, right. Mm-hmm. Babes. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, the Canadian Gay Open is happening this year, finally, after a two-year hiatus. Is that right? Well, it will be three years, actually, technically, because the last actual tournament was 2019. Mother F. Wow. We were supposed to have celebrated our 25th anniversary of the CGO, but obviously that was postponed. Tommy, who is the director of the CGO... Um, you know, let everyone know that registration opened this weekend. And girl, tell us how did that go? He put us on notice that it was going to go fast. I know. And he put me on notice and said, <laughs> "Jason, did you pay? Because I do not see your <laughs> registration confirmed." And I was like, "Oh shit! I always lose the PayPal link in the system, so I had to go back and make sure I paid because he was not going to count me, and you and I were not going to be able to." try and win an actual doubles final yeah first we have to get to the final which cgo is very tough always it's tough very, competitors totally like the slam like i consider it like the slam of the glta mm-hmm. um they sold out in two hours yeah which is in 180 players or something in motherfucking insane. <laughs> 
Um, we're looking forward to all of our listeners coming and sharing this experience with us. Like, it'll be the first time that Jason and I will, you know, be able to hang with our listeners in person for a long, since a long time. And, um, what else was going to say about it? Every, okay, you know what? Everyone literally messaged us. They're like, did you sign up? Did you sign up? Did you sign up? Did you sign up? Yes, girl, I'd signed up. Okay, I signed up. And there's a guy who is a listener of ours from Scottsdale, Arizona, who is coming to Toronto for the first time. Jonah. Yeah. Jonah, we're going to take you out to 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 some restos. Mm-hmm. Why not? We'll show you Toronto. Yeah. And we're going to win some matches. Yeah. Always the goal. Absolutely. Always the goal. That's it. Yes. Retirement special. Yeah. Congrats to all those players heading into the next chapter of their life. You know who's not retiring? Us. We're not retiring (laughs) from doing this show because you will listen to us next week. See you next week. Bye. (laughs) We're here for your tennis-tainment or your tentertainment or whatever it is. But if you like what we're serving up, please give us a five-star review and like, share, and subscribe and like such as. Wait, one more thing. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Ready Play Tennis Podcast.